way to introduce the, the title. But if you are not on Instagram, or if you are on Instagram and you're not following One Youth SA, why don't you follow that One Youth SA? You would have seen a post go up for Term 2 and, and even into Term 3. We're going to be doing a new uh, series, a new collection of talks on the theme of what do you mean? What do you mean? And um, before we find out what uh, word we're looking at tonight, we're going to uh, go, we're going to re- reminisce on Joshua Santosafano's childhood um, in school. So if you've got your dictionary, turn to the book of S. If you've got your dictionary, turn to the book of S and we're going to find uh, something very important. But I don't know, I don't know what education is like for you. Who, who's been to primary school here? Who's been to primary school? When I went to primary school, I was issued, well, by issued, we had to, it was mandatory that we had to uh, buy a Macquarie Junior Dictionary. Am I the only person that had to get one of these? Did any of you use? Cheryl, have you still got one? Oh, you never got one, but you needed one. No? Anyone else got one of these? Oh, well, when I went to school, we got this thing called a dictionary. Can I have a show of hands? Who knows what a dictionary is? Oh, so everyone knows what a dictionary is. Awesome. So I had this dictionary. Now, when I went to school, depending on what year level I was in, there were certain amounts of year, like people in your class. So sometimes you might have had 20 students. Sometimes you had 30 students. And depending then on the amount of students in the class, if a student had it, who's ever been in class and you've raised your hand and you feel like your hand has been raised more, like longer than you have had help? Bell's had that. Do I have a witness? You're like, come on, teacher, here I am. And then the teacher goes to someone else and you're like, my hand's, teacher, look, like, if, if my hand's up any longer, like, you almost think you've got to get, like, a stick or something and, like, squint at like, a state, yeah, you're waving at the teacher. Teacher, what are you doing? And so you, you notice that the more students are in the class, the less of the teacher's attention that you'd get, right? Who's been in that predicament? Like, teacher, I need help here. G- give me some help. And they're, they're distracted by all the other students. Like, students, classmates, how selfish can you, be, how can you get? I just need some help. And you are hogging all the teacher's time. So... In, in uh, my, and so in t- today's day and age, who's, who loves their smartphone? Who, I got an iPhone. So when I went to school, there's no such thing. An iPhone didn't exist. I'm a dinosaur. I, I, remember, I remember walking with the T-Rexes and the other dinosaurs um, at, when, back when we had dictionaries and we didn't have smartphones. So today, right, if I can't spell a word, I'll open up my phone, I'll go to the keypad and it has this little microphone button and then you click it on the iPhone and it makes that Siri sound, like that, ding, and then you'd be like, hippopotamus. And then it will type, it, it will convert my audio language into written text. Does anyone else do that? Life hack? I'd, yep, Bella does that. I love it. So, you, <laughs> there you go. Take that and use that. Is there any other complicated words for spelling that people are like, man, how do you even spell that word? Anyway. Necessary. There you go. So like, so necessary. So right now, I'm loving living in 2023 with my iPhone and my microphone. And then this is a funny thing though, because sometimes you'll use that life hack, and you'll find that this word it will come up with some other word. You're like, what are you talking about, phone? I did not say that. Then you've got to try and slowly say it. Then it makes it into three different words, and you're like, just work for me. But and it works. But then. So back in my day in school, we didn't have iPhones, we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have talks to text, um, 
capabilities. So what the teacher would do is, because I would always struggle with spelling. Um, spelling is not my is not the gifting that God gave me. Last term we learned about God gives us special gifts. Spelling was not the gift that God gave me. And so I would perpetually have my hand up in class saying, teacher, how do I spell this? Teacher, how do I spell this? Teacher, how do I read this? Teacher, how do I read this? And so then the teacher was, now it's a good idea, but it didn't work for me. So the teacher says, Josh, look, I've got to deal with all, the, all these other selfish students all putting their hand up. If you can't spell a word, get the dictionary and find the word in the dictionary and it will help you spell it. But here's my issue. But here's my issue. How can you find it, teacher, if I can't read? So it was like, it was like a lose-lose situation. So I'm like, yeah, good idea, teacher. That didn't work until year 12 for me. So reception, it was useless. Year one, useless. Year five, useless. I finally get to year 12, and in year 12, I could finally read for myself and know if I, I knew enough of the spelling to be able to find it in the dictionary to then spell the word correctly. Because then the other thing is, I'll do assignments, and the teachers would say stuff to me like, Josh, you've got to pre proofread your assignment. Has anyone ever heard that? You've got to proofread it. I would proofread it, but I'm reading all the incorrect words correctly because the word wasn't necessarily spelt wrong, but it wasn't the right word. Prime example, choose or chose. One O makes a big difference between choose or chose. Another one is there, there, and there. It's like, teacher, I don't even know the difference between I and E or E-R-E or apostrophe, Y-E or whatever, however you spell them. And I'm like, teacher, how am I meant to find the difference? And so the English language used to trick me, but then the but in the principle, though, was go to the dictionary, and if you can read, which I couldn't, you'll be able to find the right word and spell the word correctly. But that is a that is a way of using the dictionary, but not the primary reason for a dictionary. So the real reason for a dictionary, does anyone know what the, dic the purpose of a dictionary is? To find the definition of words. So um, I, I'll hear all you young cats type and stuff on uh, TikTok and and I'm like, what on earth are these people talking about? Um, we're, we're all Australians, yet they're speaking another language. I've got to crack over my dictionary and try and find out what all these terms are, right? Because I'm not, uh, unfortunately, I'm not always up with all the terminology and language. But the dictionary helps me find the definition of a word and go, ah, oh, that's what they're talking about. That cake means delicious. Or that, that experience at the beach was the best time ever. And they... <laughs> yeah, so, um, and so for our series, what do you mean? We are wanting to be at your uh, your dictionary for discipleship terms. So when we uh, discover Jesus, when we go, Jesus, you are my way. You are the truth. You are the life. You are the reason, the purpose for my life. We can hear words in church. We can hear words from other Christians. We're like, what do you mean? And so we want to be the dictionary that doesn't just help you spell and read, but helps you understand this is what it means to be a Christian, this is what it means to be a disciple, and we're going to go over some of the foundations of Christianity to help us grow and be the men and women of God He's destined us to be. Is that good? So, what do you mean we're looking at salvation? Why don't you poke the person beside you and tell them, salvation. With your mouth, tell them, salvation. salvation, salvation. So, believe it or not, my dictionary has the word salvation in it. So, if you've got the Macquarie Junior Dictionary, 
third edition, turn to page 507, and you'll see in the second column the word salvation. Salvation. So this is what, this is what the dictionary tells me what salvation means. The act of saving. The act of saving. I need a hero. All right, we might sing. And then it has a second meaning. Meaning number two, the cause or means of saving. And then it gives us this little illustration. Put that in a sentence for me. The ladder against the wall of the burning house was their salvation. So the salvation is the thing or the means by which you are saved. So if you're in the burning house, I hope the ladder is metal, not wood, so that it doesn't burn down. But if you're in a burning house, that ladder was your salvation because it got you to freedom. It got you to safety. So we all need a ladder in our burning house. Can I get an amen? Amen. So for those of you that have a Bible, hey, even if even better, after you tonight, get your audio Bible, search Genesis chapter 2 and press play and listen to Genesis chapter 3. And it's an amazing part of the Bible. So in the book of Genesis, we see it's, it talks about the creation of the earth, the creation of humanity. And so we see God says, let there be, boom, and there was. God says, let there be, and boom, there it was. And then God says, he's, he's, he, he goes, you know what, all this talking is too easy. I'm going to start creating. So he gets his fingers, he finds some, some clay and dirt, and ta-da, there was Adam. Then he goes, Adam, go to sleep, puts Adam to sleep. He plucks out a rib and goes, hmm, not, I'm not only creative with dirt, I'm creative with a rib, and makes a woman. And then there was humanity started, Adam and Eve. But then everything is perfect. So Adam and Eve and then the best garden, chilling, living their best life, when, and in perfect relationship with their creator, with our Father in heaven. And then what God does is he makes trees and plants to sustain life. And then um, there's all these trees, and then there's this one tree in, uh, we find in Genesis chapter 2, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he says, you know what, Adam and Eve, you can do whatever you want, however you want, but there's just this one tree, do not eat that fruit. Do not touch it, don't go near it, do not pass, go and collect $200, do not go towards that tree. Then why does God do that? Because uh, then we could ask us, well, why, why did God put this tree in their life for them? Because God didn't want us to be robots and just go, we love you, God. Yes, you, we love you, God. He wanted to give us a choice that we can actually choose to obey and love or, we, or to choose to reject. And he, and he didn't want us to choose to reject, but he had to give us the choice because you can't love someone if you have the choice to not love them. And so that's why the tree was placed there to give us a choice as humanity to go, well, will we choose to follow God or we rebel? And unfortunately, we see this that creepy, silly, naughty snake. Satan comes in, deceives them, and they eat the fruit. And then because of that sin, we call that then, that, that heart changed from eating that. They then work out that they're naked. They feel shame. And then they hide from God. And then during that process then, they, there's an, a separation comes where once there was no shame, there's no guilt, there's no separation, something had changed in their relationship with their Father in heaven. Where they're like, we no longer have the same relationship we once had. We no longer have the connection we once had. We no longer are in the relationship of purity that we once had. Sin severed and broke and, and, and uh, corrupted the perfect relationship humanity had with our Father in heaven. And so then 
now as humans, we live with this brokenness. So in Romans 3, 23, it says this. For everyone, can everyone say that includes me? That includes me. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Oh, thanks for putting that in the Bible, God. But you know what? So we can read this and it's a little bit sad because we all make mistakes. I should not have done that. I should not have said that. I should not have touched that. I, who, who's had those experiences? I should not have said. But you, you, you'll hear a parent say to you, um, look with your eyes, not your hands. Who's heard that? What do we do? We look with our hands, not our eyes. Should not have touched that. Should not have tasted that. Right? We, we find ourselves in these situations. We all fall sin and fall short of the glorious standard of God. But then, so then, well, then we can ask the question, though, well, what is sin? What is this brokenness that we have? And I think Jesus uh, greatly explains to us what sin is and how it affects us as a person, how it affects us as a person. So in Matthew chapter 5, Larissa's going to chuck that us up. Can we just thank Larissa? She's doing a great job on the, um, on the multi tonight. She, she's had a, um, it's been great um, having Larissa back from her holiday too, back in the family. But in Matthew chapter 5, so in about from Matthew chapter 5 to 7, it's what we know in the church as the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus finds himself on a mount and starts preaching a sermon. And this is a part from that sermon. And uh, we're going to look at two little uh, segments from that sermon about anger and adultery. Two A's, anger and adultery. So looking at verse, we're going to look at verse 21 here. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Hmm, that's pretty simple. Don't kill someone, right? That's a pretty easy commandment. Do not go around killing people. Who, who agrees with that? That seems pretty self-explanatory. Don't go around murdering. But then Jesus goes, now we're going we're gonna to turn the knob a little bit. We're going to put the heat up on this. Then he says, but I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. And so what is Jesus pointing to? He's saying that murder is the fruit but anger is the root. So you've got a tree, a tree has roots. The fruit that, if you pull out a tree out the ground, it doesn't grow fruit. But when it's rooted in the ground, with this, the tree doing what it's meant to do, it will produce fruit. And so Jesus is saying, the fruit of murder is no good, but that doesn't just happen. That's happened because there's a root of anger. And so Jesus is saying, you're, you're not just a murderer because you killed someone, you're a murderer because it's the root of your heart has sinned. The root of your heart saying, I don't like this person, I hate this person. And it moves from just going, saying, I don't like them, going, I'm going ah, 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 to kill them. It's not good. But our heart reveals to us our sinful nature. If you have anger, you may not be a murderer, but the sin is still in there because you're angry. Now let's look at the next one for adultery, verse 27. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Now what's adultery, if you don't un unfamiliar with the term? When there's two married people, a husband and a wife that love each other. If one of those people then go around and sexual relations is for marriage, have sexual relations with someone not who, who they are not married to, that is called adultery. And so God's saying when you get married, that, that relation, that connection is, is unique for your marriage. It's meant to be for each other. Don't go and spread that around. That is not my design. And so Jesus is saying, keep it for, do not commit adultery. Do not be unfaithful to your partner. But then verse 28, but I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust 
has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So again, what is Jesus saying? Hey, you might look at someone and go, good job, Jesus. They're, They're an attractive person. But then if you start dreaming up things in your heart where you go, I want to do more to that person than just admiring their beauty, that is a word called lust. Where you're desiring something that is for your marriage, not for that other individual. And so Jesus is, again, addressing the difference between the fruit and the root. So anyone can easily have the fruit of um, adultery where they, we don't want to do that, but people could commit that. But that didn't just start because they're like, oh, oops, it just happened. No, there was a root of sin in their heart, in their life of lust that had its way and it became adultery. And so Jesus is telling us, as humanity, as humans, we have a sin problem in our heart. And Jesus isn't interested in our outward, uh, because we can easily fake it. We can easily go, oh, I'm all good, nothing to see here. We can act good, we can act righteous. But Jesus is saying, you know what, I care about the sin in your heart. And I'm not interested in what you do on the outside. I'm interested in the sin issue being fixed in your life. So our hearts, by default, are broken. Our hearts are corrupt. Our hearts are wicked and evil. Our hearts are full of sin. And this is what it says in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Who has a job here? Who has a job? Have we got a job? Claire, Erica. See, Erica, what, what happens in your job? I'll help you. Everyone's job is an exchange. Has everyone heard of an exchange? So an exchange is Erica's labor is exchanged. Another word for an exchange is like a trade. It's making a trade. You say, you know, I'm going to turn up from this hour to this hour, and I'm going to labor, and I'm going to work, and in exchange, and in trade for my work, you're going to give me money, 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 money. Kitching, right? So when you, go to, you have your job, you're making an exchange. Your labor, your work, the sweet cash. Hello, somebody, right? So, but this scripture says, because of that brokenness in our heart, this thing called sin, this corruption was in, inside of us, the wages, the trade, the exchange for that brokenness in our heart is death. Ooh, that's tough. And that's what we believe as Christians. We believe that our undealt with sin actually results in death, eternal separation from God. And then this is, because then when you read the Old Testament, you read all these books like Leviticus, Numbers, Exodus, we see all this hectic stuff like animals getting killed here, sheep getting killed, birds getting killed, blood sprinkled on altars, all this ridiculous stuff. And then when we read Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22, it says this, In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So we see through this, the story of Scripture, the way that we are made right is it's one death in replace of our death. For us to have an exchange, for us to be made right with God, something else has to die so that we can live. And it's a crazy system. So could you imagine coming to church going, here's my sheep, kill that, because I want its death to replace my death. And that was the, the, the thing that God required. He goes, no, you've you, you sinned. That the judgment, I'm a holy, righteous God, because you are broken and sinful, you must die. But he made a way that they could use animals in replacement of them, that they could be holy and pure. But here's the good news. Ah, the, 
the music's changed in, in, in the movie. John 3.16 says this, But for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that everyone, here we go, can, that, says, that includes me, that includes me, everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus says, we see in scripture, we have all sinned, everyone sinned, but God so loved those same sinners that we don't have to die, but we can have eternal life. Why? Because he sent his son Jesus to be the perfect lamb that was died in our place. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. When we're singing about Jesus, I go, you know what, Jesus? I am so grateful that you took my sin. You took my brokenness, my corruption, to be able to say that I'm able to have eternal life. Man, that just gets me pumped on a Sunday night. Romans 10, 9, and the NIV says this, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wow, that's awesome. I I love that. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you know what? When you believe that in your heart, when you move from a heart being gone wicked and evil and corrupt, to go, you know what? I believe that Jesus is that sacrifice, that his blood shed was was what I needed to be made clean, to be made holy, to be made righteous. That heart change, that thing that shifts in our heart is what we call being born again. So when you get born again, you have the shift within you where you go, you know what, no longer am I just living for the temporary earth life, but there's something more, there's something eternal. And when you know that Jesus is real, and it's not just a head knowledge of God, Jesus existed, but when you have this belief, Jesus actually died for me, that's when we are born again, right? And then this is what it says, once you get born again, 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is an amazing scripture. This means, so when you get born again, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. You know what? I don't know where you found yourself. I don't know what things you've done, what things you've thought when you might go, how could I ever have a great life with God? This is what the scripture says, that when you get born again, when you believe in the person of Jesus, the, the old you is gone and you get born again and the new life has begun. And I, I believe for people here tonight, for us as a youth ministry, if we're going to, what do you mean? What is this salvation? Salvation is the fact that we believe that Jesus was the ladder on the burning house. Our burning house was a thing called sin, the, the wickedness within our heart, the things that, that, that make us think wrong, the things that make us believe wrong. And we were in a burning house with no way out. But Jesus provided the ladder, as our dictionary says, that was our way of salvation. Jesus was the ladder out of our sin into our freedom. And so I I don't know about you, but I want to live a life where my old life is gone and the new life has begun. And I believe all of us can have that experience. All of us can move from the old life to a new life has begun, that we can climb the, the, the ladder of such where we move from a deadness to a newness. And so... Um, for us to do that tonight, we, it's, it, it simply starts by praying a very simple prayer. We saw in Romans where it says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. And so we've got, we got a simple prayer that's going to come up in a moment. And we can pray that prayer and believe, you know what, God, I'm going to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. Where no longer will the sin corruption be the thing that rules my life, but the sacrifice and the exchange of Jesus that, that who God sent that he died and he rose again 
to see me living a life of freedom. And so if we, can we just close our eyes across this place tonight? And I don't know where you sit. I don't know why you came here tonight. or what, But you might be in a position where you go, you know what? I want to be that person that climbs that bridge to freedom. Oh, the bridge, the ladder, I meant to say. I want to be that person that gets out of the burning house of my sin and, and walk into my salvation that Jesus is my way of saving. Jesus is the hero that I needed. Jesus was my way of escape. And then you're saying tonight on uh, the first week of term two in 2023 is the day where I decided that Jesus, you are my way. You are my truth. You are my salvation. You are the life that I want to live in. If that's you tonight, won't you? Could you just raise your hand and say, you know what, that's me. I want to pray this prayer and believe it uh, for real in my life. If that's you, can you raise your hand? I see that hand. You can put it down. Anyone else tonight that goes, you know what, that's me today. I want to make, I want Jesus to be my ladder out of my sin. That's cool. Can, uh, we can all open our eyes right now. But we, I want us to pray with this person that raised their hand afresh. And as we pray this prayer, we're going to believe that God can do that mighty move in our lives where we move from uh, the old life has gone to a new life has come because we've been born again in freedom. So let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, I believe you are son of God who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Today, I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we just clap and cheer for that person that raised their hand? That's so exciting. So, so exciting. Well, that's...